is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to chat with Kyle Pfeiffer, aka Blacklight District, over Zoom video. Kyle told us where he was born and raised, how he found a VHS tape at his grandparents' house with a live performance of Fleetwood Mac, and he watched that, and he just knew he wanted to play music. He ended up getting a drum kit from his grandfather, who bought it off Sears, I think. A couple years later, he got a guitar at a pawn shop, and from there, he just started writing songs. Became obsessed with it. He talked to us about getting a song on the radio the first time, what that was like. We talk a lot about sobriety and his struggles with sobriety and addiction. The major success he's had on YouTube, and especially with the song Cold as Ice. He even showed us his Silver Creator Award from, from YouTube, which is awesome. I'm totally jealous of it. And we talk a lot about his new record, which is called 1990. You can watch our interview with Kyle on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. We'd love it if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're an Amazon shopper, a portion of your everyday purchases will help support our podcast with just a few clicks. It's super easy. Please head over to our website, bringingitbackwards.com, and click on Amazon each time you begin your purchases. Those few extra clicks will help keep our mission of providing a platform for both legendary and rising artists to tell their personal stories on how they achieve stardom so that all artists and music enthusiasts have access to meaningful and memorable advice that will help inspire their own musical journeys. To recap, please head over to bringingitbackwards.com and click on Amazon before you make each and every purchase because a portion of that purchase will add up in a big way to help support our mission. Thank you so much. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Blacklight District. And this podcast is about you and your journey in music and how you got to where you are now. We'll talk about the new record coming out as well. Oh, yeah, man. Does, is the quality okay? The, the reason I was trying over there is there I have like an actual mic and all that. So it sounds good on this end, to be honest. I think it sounds good. We're good to go, though, man, for sure. Yeah, we, I'll do a little fixing and post anyway. So it doesn't okay. matter. Okay, cool, man. No, <laughs> where are you at? I'm in Nashville. Nashville. I'm originally from San Diego, though. So I okay. moved to Nashville about eight months ago or so. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, very I new. Recorded, yeah, I just recorded my album down there in uh, Murfreesboro. Oh, like, really? Town. Yeah, yeah. So I'm actually going to be back in February and this summer for like a month. So maybe one of these days we could do a do an in person or something. I would love that. I was yeah. going to say that'd be so cool. Yeah, I'll be I'll be there a few times. So for sure. Well, I live uh, about 30 minutes, 25, 30 minutes. West of Murfreesboro. OK, I live south by the Franklin. Okay. Okay. Yep. Yep. I'm yeah. familiar. I got a buddy over there. So dude, hell yeah, man. That's cool. cool. It's such I a did... small world, bro. I've learned that too. Like over the years, like meeting people, like, you know, again, interviews, but like whatever it is, like small world, a lot of people like end up knowing each other, especially in the same area. And shit. Oh yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's really, sure. I know. I didn't, it's funny. Cause I didn't know anything about Nashville really before I moved here. I thought it was just like a country town and then through <laughs> interviews and stuff, I'm like, wait, you live in Nashville. You live like, that's yeah. so weird. Like, Yep. Yeah, so it's you're cool. San Diego, you said. Yeah, San Diego originally. Okay. Yeah, I actually I lived in Anaheim, you know, about an hour and a half, two hours away. Yeah. For for about right. a year and a half back in the day, and I go there every year. So. 
Yeah. Oh yeah, home of Disneyland, man. Yeah, I, dude, my apartment was literally like a mile from Disneyland. Off like my back, like balcony and shit at night, you could see the fireworks every night. So cool, man. That's cool. rad. That is rad. Yeah, so cool. Sure. Well, you were born in Indiana originally. Yep. 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 Okay. Uh, yeah, like right, right outside of Chicago, and grew up there. You know, until I was like eight, nine years old, and moved up here to South Dakota with my grandparents. And yeah, man been kind of all over the place a little bit but but definitely been here in south dakota for a, a long time now you know okay and you're still there in south dakota yeah well i have a i have an eight-year-old son that's here and then i got married thank you i got married a couple of years ago not to his mother but another you know mm -hmm. so i got right. you know I, I just i gotta keep it all around here for now right you got family close man i love it i got two yeah. kids myself so okay yep, yep, for <laughs> and sure. i did see that you're sober recently sober yeah. Congrats, or a year in at least right almost uh, 11 months now next uh january 5th next month will be a year for me so congratulations yeah, dude. No, i got four you. years and i i know the struggle man oh you got four yeah, it took yeah. a while, but yeah. <laughs> we're here now. <laughs> I, I haven't been drunk in like three and a half years now, which was like a big start for me. But then, you know, I was drinking a lot and I ended up in the hospital three times with pancreatitis and I'd be admitted, you know, for a week at a time. And wow. so every time I was like, dude, you, like they would tell me you got to stop drinking. But in replace of that, I would get prescribed opiates, you know, painkillers. Mm -hmm. Oh, and yep. Over dude, and over. I know the cycle, man. Dude, and then all of a sudden, uh, I'm addicted to fentanyl, like within a year. It was crazy. Oh, my gosh, man. Yeah. That is, I'm so sorry. And yeah. that's been a crazy thing. That's, they're putting it in like everything now. Every, dude, dude, when I was in treatment, a guy said he was smoking meth one night, like ended up in the hospital, and they said he overdosed on fentanyl somehow. It's crazy, I, bro. Yeah, it's, I've been hearing stories about it being in like people <laughs> buying cocaine, thinking they're buying yeah. cocaine, and it'll be in there. It's like that doesn't even make sense to me. Dude, I know because it's totally <laughs> opposite. They put them in Xanax. Dude, that's what I was telling someone the other day. Like the fact that they put like that powerful of an opiate slash downer in the fucking uppers. <laughs> right. So You're like, what is going on here? Yeah. Like there's yeah. got to be some weird, I don't know what the hell's going on. But and dude, like when when uh you know. I don't know if like this is pre I hope, but you know, um, like I had this hookup, man, this friend, I guess you could call him friend, whatever, like in Arizona. And he like dealt like with one of the cartels down there. So he would get like, I would literally have these drugs mailed to my front door right in the fucking mail. And dude, I was, I was snorting about 40 of these pressed blue pills a day going about 500 a week, bro. No joke. After a year building up, that's why the shit dude, when I ran out a few times, like, dude, the withdrawals would set in. I would tell my wife, oh, I have a headache. And but but oh, you know, yeah, in and a sweat. Sure. And then, dude, after a while, I was like, dude, because both my parents are dead from opiates, you know? Oh, my gosh. So I did to, see that. I saw your mom pass yeah. away when you were very young. Yeah. So so again, for me to kind of like be, you know, in this spot now, addicted to fentanyl and looking at my eight year old son, it almost just seemed like a total like reverse of my situation, except for I was like the drug addict, you know what I'm saying? And it was like, I gotta, I just gotta stop. So yeah, man, it was a long journey, but here we are. Crush the cycle, dude. I love that. Yeah, man. Dude, that's what my wife always says. She's like, you are the one that has to break the cycle in this. Mm -hmm. thing, you know? It's the most important thing, dude. I mean, cause once you stop it, then, you know, hopefully yeah. it, 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 it continues on, but that very cool. Congratulations. Oh, yeah, no, I appreciate it, man. Uh-huh. So I want to know, you, will you move to, I know it's, I don't know if you want to get into it at all, but I know that's that's kind of why you moved to South Dakota, right? Is your mom yeah, away? In a way, well, well, actually, so my you know my grandparents lived here 
when they were kids and then they moved out to like Indiana area to like find my grandpa found a job at Ford Motor Company and all that worked there his whole time. Mm-hmm. And, <clears throat> and so he always wanted to like build a motel and move back here. So they did that in like the early nineties when I was like a little kid, you know, three, four years old and we'd go out there here and there, but yeah, like once, you know, like we knew that all these other stuff became big issues, you know, it was kind of like time they wanted to get me out of there mm-hmm. and get out of there. Um, you know, but there again, it was like, man, like within two years of that is like when she died or less even, you know, wow. and, so it's just crazy stuff, man, because as a kid, you know, it's like I always lived with my grandparents. My mom would come once in a while. And of course, I, w- I thought that was strange, you know. And so, I, you know, I knew like she was addicted to drugs. But as a kid, you know, eight years old, you don't really like comprehend that. It's just like, oh, right. You can't really fathom right. that. Right. Right. I, like the last time I saw her, I asked her if she could draw me a picture of what like drugs look like. And I'm like eight years old, you know, and like just, you know, again, shit like that. So. Yeah, man, like when she died, you know, being nine years old, like, again, you just you, you know, that small brain can't comprehend that how maybe you could if you were older, it sucks, no matter what age you're at, but, but something like that, that like, it's like childhood trauma, you know, and oh, dude, totally, it sets the whole pace for your life, man. I mean, literally, I, I tell people all the time, like, that is a milestone that I've never gone a day without thinking about 20 years later, you know, right, you probably won't, you know, I mean, as hard as it is that's i i'm so sorry that's oh, no, appreciate terrible appreciate um but did you like oh my gosh so you're in south dakota i did also see that you uh got a drum set pretty early on yep going yep. back to music real quick but how yeah, did you get into music prior to that um so like right you know as we moved up to south dakota you know my mom was still alive and stuff but again i knew she was an addict didn't have much of a relationship so we got up here i happened to find one of my grandma's vhs tapes of an old fleetwood mac concert and for the hell of it i put that on and this drummer mick fleetwood he when he drums he like makes all these crazy like oh ah. yeah <laughs> I, was, I was so fascinated you know <clears throat> then i it was like a phase got the little drum set few months, you know, go by. I kind of got out of it. That's when the mom thing happened. And then shortly after that, my uncle came up and he we, he and I were going somewhere and he played me Ozzy Osbourne's No More Tears. And when I heard that, man, first of all, I thought the name Ozzy, I was picturing this like redheaded freak, like <laughs> in that high voice, you know, and yeah. like, I was like, dude, you got to play that again. And he played it again. And it's like an eight minute long song. Oh, yeah. It's a, so it's the whole it's a beast. Message. Yeah, the whole <laughs> of the no more tears and just the vibe I got, like as far as music goes, started that like whole thing in life. Where again, twenty years later, still as obsessed as ever. You know? mm-hmm. Wow, 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 wow! It's and music has literally saved my life. Like that is no joke. You know. Mm-hmm. Yep, so. Once you once you started, you went from drums to what? Did you get a t- guitar? Like, how did your songwriting career begin? Yeah, pretty much. Um, once I started loving the Aussie stuff, I convinced my grandpa, we were at a pawn shop one day and they had this little microphone and a little amp and I convinced, I mean, they're tiny little things, but this microphone, it had three buttons and one of them was like a clap. One of them was a boo. So when you were done, it would be like, yeah. <laughs> I, would sit in this, I would swear to you, I would sit in my basement, put like these Aussie CDs on this little speaker and act like I'm singing with them and hit the, the audience afterward. And dude, it started like how you would imagine, like all innocent, just a little kid intrigued by this music stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And 
So, yeah, I mean, just started writing little songs, usually Black Sabbath ripoffs, like Iron Man backwards. And, you know, <laughs> you know. and is how everyone starts? So you got to get your inspiration yeah. from something. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then, yeah, just like over the years, teenage years in high school, like me and my friends started a little band and, you know, we played locally around here and started building a solid following. Like by the time I was 16, 17 years old, I was selling like 250 tickets in towns with like 5,000 people in them. So it was like, people were like, damn, like there's something here. And dude, like no joke, like for my first shows at like 12 years old, like shitty little open mics and stuff like that, people would like drive by my house and see me outside and be like, like, you know, like it was just, it was crazy, man. So everyone kind of figured that there was like some sort of natural thing from the beginning, you know, Mm -hmm. that's just what, you know, well, validated probably what you're doing and trying to do and oh, push you it. to continue. Yeah. yeah right. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah. So, so when does blackout or when, when does uh, your blacklight district project begin? Cause I know it started as a band, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of difficult to say exactly when and where, because in my mind, you know, I started a band when I was, you know, 15 years old and I've just been in this same band ever since. But it's really just been me. You know, again, I've had band members, drummers, this and that, blah, 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 over the years. In the last couple of years, like, you know, before the pandemic and I'll say like pretty much while I was like in active addiction, mm-hmm. I, I really started doing my shows like a hip hop show where it would be pretty much just me, maybe a DJ here and there. And I would just go out with tracks, but I'd play guitar, sing, rap, do the shows, have the, you know, 10 foot LED screens and this and that. Because again, man, growing up, I mean, you want that rock star thing. It's like I, my dream is playing arenas in front of 20,000 people and having platinum records. Mm-hmm. Today in the rock world, that just doesn't happen. So, you know, the last few years I started adding some of this like hip hop and trap and 808s and post Malone type shit into the music because to me, there's just such a ceiling on hard rock. And mm-hmm. I've had some great success outside of that with YouTube and a lot of other. Oh, yeah, stuff. you're killing it on YouTube, you know, but once I got sober this year, it was like, dude, you're a fucking rock guy. Excuse the language, but you, you know, can cuss. You can say whatever like, you want. You're a, you're a fucking rock guy. Like this is what you've spent your whole life doing. Why are we making rap songs now just to try to be mainstream? Like, dude, fuck all that. Like just go in the studio, make what you think is amazing. Make, make what you think feels to you and is as real as it can possibly be. And the rest should come, f- come to follow, you know? So that's basically where my new album, 1990 coming out was basically me doing a total reset in life, sober. I broke my fucking hip in the beginning of the summer. So that was a bitch. I mean, dude, Oh man, that must've been real rough, especially with the whole yeah. So just medication on. So, so yeah. Yeah. And again, sorry if there's a delay, I'm not like trying to cut you off or nothing. Like oh no, no, no. But, um, so because I was so hooked on the fentanyl, you know, going into treatment, they, they use a lot of medications to bring you off of it nowadays. Mm-hmm. Suboxone. Suboxone, yeah. Like that. So at the time I was on Suboxone for, you know, I still am, but I'm just trying to act like it's whatever it is, you know, but no, for being on the Suboxone, that's what worked for me because I had got clean before from opiates without any like maintenance medication and, Dude, like 80 days later, I just still felt like shit. Like I never got my energy. I mean, it's it's bad, man. Mm-hmm. So anyways, long story short, break my hip. The ambulance comes. I was rollerblading out with my son. He has a little push scooter and I had this pair of rollerblades. And again, just easy stuff. I knew I was going to fall the split second, landed right on my knee. And bro, right when I hit, like I knew something bad happened because it like you could like they always say you can hear a pop. 
Yeah. Well, I didn't know I heard that at the time, but looking back, it was like, oh, that's what that's they- what that was. <laughs> and so the ambulance gets there. The lady's like gives me some sort of test. She's like, oh, yeah, you're in excruciating pain because like the heart thing, you know, like the piece of paper or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, of course, I was like, listen, you know, I'm, I'm like five months sober from opiates. I just want to let you guys know. <clears throat> and they're like, well, you got a broken fucking hip, basically. So we can basically look the other way if you're OK with it. And I was like, yeah, of course, because, I mean, it's painful, bro. Mm-hmm. But being on the Suboxone, because it's like half a blocker, you know, it blocks out other opiates. So you're not supposed to be able to like get high on them, you know. Right, and, right. But it's also an opioid itself, like partially. So you basically in your brain, it gives you a little to get rid of a little type thing, you know? Mm -hmm. So anyways, they give me a shot of fentanyl because that's the only thing that'll override the Suboxone. So they do that. No pain relief. Give me another shot. No pain relief. That night in the hospital. And this happened about six, seven in the evening, you know, after dinner time when I had this accident. Mm -hmm. So by midnight that night, the nurse finally comes in, gives me because they were giving me fentanyl and then ketamine every other time because I didn't want to just do all opiates, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, she comes in midnight, gives me the shot, whatever, you know, the medication. All of a sudden, bro, no shit. I come to like 20 minutes later with five, six, seven doctors around me, shaking me, doing this external heart massage. They're like, sir, sir, sir. And they're like, yeah, bro, we had to Narcan you. You went totally unresponsive. OD. So did they actually OD'd me on the fentanyl in the hospital? Oh my god. Never gosh. had that happen before either. Like, you know what I'm saying? So it was just crazy, man. Wow. I've never even heard of that before. Right. That is sketchy, right? <laughs> Dude, no. <laughs> yeah. These are doctors and nurses that should know what they're dosing you with. Right, right. So but oh, the, man. the thing was because they had to use like first of all, it was fentanyl, which is like one of the higher right opioids then they had to use more than normal because they're trying to break through this medication and they basically said because it all happened in a short amount of time the shit just like stacks on each other mm-hmm. and before you know it like you have way too much shit in your body you know right 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 they literally pushed the thing in and i dude just just like that like just out oh my gosh and then you probably don't remember anything aside from waking up no no nothing in fact the the only thing was is that Look, I'm not a religious guy. You know, I'm not like into ooh this and that. Like, you know, I'm pretty straightforward. But while that was happening, I did have some sort of like experience in my mind. Like, I don't know if it was my brain hallucinating, trying to like kick back into motion or what happened. But I was like somewhere else. You know, I'm not going to say I had like a, a like a thing, but no, I was just somewhere else. I was fully aware of what was happening, except for my hip and all that stuff. Like that wasn't a thought in my mind. I didn't know I was in the hospital. I was just aware. And I, I thought I was somewhere. And then all of a sudden it's like you come to with the doctor. So I don't know what it was. Wow. But dude, from I swear to you, bro, like this is no joke for me and how I am. Like if you knew me personally, you know, I would not say shit like that. Just right. But yeah, I, I have no idea what it was. I was just conscious and aware and I was somewhere else. And I felt like I was like moving up this thing. And I feel like I could see like these two people sitting at a table and it was just weird, man. You know? Wow. Yeah. So. Wow. 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 Well, I'm glad that they were able to catch that quick enough and obviously <laughs> yeah, bring you no back. And, oh man, that's a lot. Yeah. Um, wow. 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 Um, when you started first putting out records with Blacklight District, that was what year, like 2013 ish? Yeah, I'd say so. Right around there. That that year, um, I had this song called Wit. Now, again, if 
if someone that's not familiar with me is like looking at my catalog, like on Spotify or something, and then looking at what I've released, there might be differences because there's, there have been albums and projects that have like come down or that have mm-hmm. been merged together. So basically right now I have two albums. One is called um, Instant Concern, which was actually two albums, one called Instant Gratification and To Whom It May Concern put mm-hmm. together. And then another album called You're Welcome, which I did last year, which is another couple albums. Um, but yeah, man, right around that 2013 is when I first started releasing music. Had a pretty good sized hit that year on Sirius XM Octane. Um, big yeah, song. that song did really well. Yeah, with me now it was back in the day. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, man, that that was kind of the launch of like the traditional music success, like in the rock radio world. Um, you know, and that's kind of how that all started. But yeah, pr- pretty much right around then. With that hit and like having that song go so well how did that change like your live shows or like that were people like at that point was it like you know a lot of more people are showing up are you getting oh, like yeah. tour offers and well, well the cool thing was is that like be right before this like i pretty much didn't have shit going on aside from a local thing around here you know right. i had moved to la i did get like a management deal in orlando florida and i was traveling a little bit like working with producers and stuff but there was really no like success there no snowball rolling down the hill yet so yeah once that happened and again like with Sirius XM because it's a national outlet you mm-hmm. know the second you get on there it's like you're you're getting over, uh n- national attention pretty much right out of the gate you know right so literally overnight I went from being a local artist to a nationally known, known artist person. on that radio you know but again it's not like what you think where all of a sudden oh i was rich after that and playing this <laughs> like right. no, well the same i was still going out and playing shitty concerts it's just a few more people happen to know my music and shit right yeah. right right yeah. okay so pretty much like what you'd expect you know that's cool though that must yeah, have been dude, a big moment for you yeah dude i mean again you know growing up loving music having the passion for it and to be in my early 20s and like have my first top 40 single on the charts from this and be like wow like radio stations i grew up listening to are playing me it's pretty fucking awesome man for that sure. is that Still is hey dude when i go out in the car and occasionally like on sirius xm octane they'll play something of mine still even after being on there for like seven eight years consistently still fucking awesome bro oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah i can't i can imagine that's still cool like oh and then there's my song yeah dude in the awesome. midst of like between whatever two huge yeah artists like Especially when you got some of the homies in the car so everyone's like dude what the- <laughs> it's cool, it is cool shit, you know but i'm sure that never gets old that's so dude, rad i hope no but i hope it never will <laughs> Like telling my grandparents, oh shit, look what's yeah. up. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No. It's so cool. Um, so after that song or the success of that song, did that take you what a couple of years? Were you able to tour and you know, kind yeah. of ride that wave? And then what was the next little milestone or whatever to happen for you? So after that, I, I did my first tour opening for Saving Abel, which was like my first time opening for a national act. So that was cool. Um, did did a couple of those. Um, tried to do another single, but then it was pretty much time. So, okay, I guess I should throw this in there. When I mentioned earlier, I had like a, a management deal and record deal. I got down in Orlando, Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically once I had the success with that first song, I started getting a lot of managers and labels interested, you know, because there was, re- I was generating revenue. I was getting this airplay that's so, you know, like 
what do they call it? like you know it's it's hard to achieve like, oh yeah basically yeah there's so many gatekeepers exactly. i mean i come from radio man i did radio oh, really? 15 years so i know exactly okay. how, that, how that all kind of works so but you know how that game works for sure yeah it's an interesting one. Oh yeah definitely I'm, i've learned a lot though you know doing it but yeah so i started getting interest and at the time my manager was like butthurt over that was like offended that other people were offering me money when i thought he'd be happy he'd be like dude but but it all turned out it was because in the management deal, it was actually I was signed to his record label, like sneak. It was like snuck in there. I didn't have a lawyer look at it. I was a kid. He had just gotten me on Octane. I was like, dude, I'll sign any fucking deal you want. Right. Of course. It ended up costing me a lot of money. I never got. I mean, it was just a, it was a cat, catastrophic fuck up, I'll say. But mm -hmm. because of something like that led me to being even more passionate, more hungry, having a little bit more knowledge to where, yeah, it led up to, I have a song in 2017 called Cold as Ice that I put out. And that mm -hmm. was kind of like the first follow-up from this first hit. And <clears throat> the first couple of months, it was like, shit, man, it did like 30,000 views on YouTube in three months. And I was like, damn, like that is nowhere near the million views I just did, you know? Mm -hmm. And, but a couple months later, you know, I saw some of these anime videos on YouTube started using the song and these like clips they put together. And all of a sudden I saw one that had a million views and I was like, damn, like, look at this. So I reached out to the channel who posted the video and I was like, look, I know you don't know me, but you used one of my songs here. It got a million views. Why don't we partner up? I'll send you music. You know, it's quality music. You don't have to worry about the copyright claims and all that. Mm -hmm. Blah, blah, blah. You can use it on your channel. So I supply the music. You supply the audience. We'll split the revenue 50-50. And, dude, that's what we did. I got a Minecraft channel. Dude, we put out this Cold as Ice Minecraft video. The first week, it does 3.5 million views. Gets to, like, number 22 trending on YouTube. And all of a sudden, it takes my music video to a million views within, like, a week. And oh wow so there again because of that that's when sirius xm octane added this new song all of a sudden all the radio shit came back and the song went on the charts and bro i've been riding this wave for like five years now that is so, incredible yeah. that it, must have been life-changing right to see those oh, numbers come through dude, for real man totally in the last three years has been a complete life change for me like no joke i mean from Dude, like 15 years making like maybe 800 bucks a month if I was lucky to uh -huh. where, you know, without sounding like an asshole, I mean, this music can generate 30, 40 K a month, you know? So like, dude, from a guy sitting in a basement in Spearfish, South Dakota, it's fucking life changing money. Bro. Oh, dude. Uh, for anyone that's life changing. Yeah, for sure. Oh, so, man. so I, I guess. Fortunately, I've been able to keep the music coming, have some hits with the, but again, I, I think what, what I credit is I have a little bit of the radio and traditional stuff, but things like Minecraft and anime on YouTube, these more like outside the box promotional things have really been like a, a home run for me. Mm -hmm. you know, and so. it also really helped your, what your, uh, your own personal YouTube page. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm almost, I'm about right now, I'm about to hit uh, 200,000 subscribers on there, man. Congratulations. Like, hey, That's massive. You, I'm sorry, man. Hold on. But look, bro, just to get something like this. Oh, dude, oh you have the silver button. Dude, it's so fucking special, man. I, I feel like I worked so hard. That is that. so cool. Dude, dude I have a, I've, I'm a weirdo and I believe in vision boards and I become more. My in, wife uh, does that. Uh, and, and I have been more like, I, I actually interviewed an artist a few years back and his, his name is slushy. And now he's like the right-hand man to marshmallow and all the EDM oh, world. 
Really? And he told me, yeah. And he told me, he's like, dude, I had a vision board and I put these people and this on it and it all happened. Like, and I was like, dude, I'm stealing that idea. And I have a, a silver button. I'm not near a hundred and even close to a hundred thousand, but I got a, a couple thousand follower subscribers. And yeah. um, that's my dream, dude, to get one of those. Dude. It's so cool. Dude, that is so awesome to hear, man. And like I said, dude, my wife's like, again, when I was in treatment and my wife's very into that type of stuff. So I've done a lot of vision boards, but yeah, man, to me, it almost felt like this is like a modern day, like gold or platinum record. Like, because that doesn't happen so often anymore. Oh yeah. never does. I, I kind of feel like this gives me a little of like that accolade of success for the music, you know? I think that's more important, dude, to be honest. Dude, I, I mean, I, if you're looking at it like revenue wise, I mean, yeah. come on now. Yeah. And, and again, so from, from 2013, that song back then got me like 5,000 subscribers on YouTube. So then five years later, it was still around the 5K mark. When we did the first Minecraft video, I had barely under 6,000 subscribers two and a half years ago, three years ago, whatever it was. So all of a sudden over the, the first two years got to the 100K. And now, bro, like a year later, I'm almost fucking double it now. 192K <laughs> as of today. So dude, so I mean, rad. Up, man, you know? Maybe uh-huh. it'll be a million in five years. You never know. You'll get a million next time we talk when you're in Nashville. That's so cool, man. Congratulations. Oh, that is so you, cool. I've never, I have yet to interview somebody that actually has one of those for YouTube. Oh, right, right. Or maybe yeah. they do and I just haven't seen it. So that's cool to see it in person. You'd be surprised though, man. It's at least like, I don't know. I'm sure you interview all types of people, but like at least in the hard rock world. Not many, man. Yet, man. Yeah. Not many people have it. Right. Was it hard? I mean, having, you know, addiction in your life and you're getting now, you said 30, 40 K a month. I mean, I can imagine that being very hard not to really go off the wagon. And I could see myself like, wow. Like I heard somebody in a meeting once say like, if I made blah, blah, blah a month, like, I don't know if I'd be in this room anymore. And I'm thinking like, well, that's not a very good uh, (laughs) look to have. But I mean, I, I would imagine it opens up quite a few more doors. Well, I think that's why I went off the rails in the first place, honestly, is because last year, so I had this song called Falling and on Sirius XM, there's a channel called The Pulse, which is like pop. So oh, I love The Pulse, dude. <laughs> and they added one of my songs on there and I was Did like, they really? Fuck. Wow. Yeah, I was going to be played next to like Taylor Swift and Post Malone and shit. Like yeah. me, that was like next level, bro. I was like, oh, oh my God. Cracking Top 40 is like ultimate game changer yeah man so i find out because again because of a minecraft video last year <laughs> so this minecraft video got to number three trending on youtube did like over a million views the first 24 hours so of course that shot the song into the top 30 on or top 10 on apple music in 30 countries like all this shit so of course sirius xm the pulse comes on and again bro revenues coming in i'm like holy shit i'm almost going to be a top 40 on the pop charts like with these mega stars that's when that's all. So before I used like my mother, my parents' death and all these like traumatic events as like an excuse to like get high and shit. Whereas last year was the opposite. It was like, holy fuck, I'm doing so good. You know, the the the, the play award, the pulse, like all the shit, dude, we should be celebrating this. So that was when I was like, eh, let's get some pills. Just me. I mean, I'm not talking when I sit here by myself. So right. yeah, I started I started hitting the fucking fentanyl again out of nowhere just because i wanted to party and have fun and again start with one two a day maybe and by the end of the year like i said 40 a day no fucking joke bro that's so yeah but yeah like, like yeah, it's the attic mind man i, yeah, I like, like i hear that and i'm like 
Well, yeah, you, well, you, you have success. So, of course, you want to try to figure out some way to, to knock yeah. yourself down, it's, right? It's so good. Everyone's so happy. Like, what the fuck? Let's have some fun. Everyone's too happy. Let's screw this up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what they say in treatment. They're like, dude, you are like a master of self-sabotage for yourself. Right. Of course. Yeah. yeah it's so. just like it all comes together with the same uh, the, the same mindsets, right? Right. right. Dude, exactly, man. <laughs> Crazy well, shit, bro, but yeah. So, wow. So, okay, now you got the gold button or the silver button. You're doing a killer on YouTube. Songs you're doing amazing. And then where does the pandemic lie? And are you still playing a bunch of shows at this point? Or are you kind of just sticking to the YouTube Pretty DSP much. world? I mean, so that's actually a great question. Because, you know, again, growing up, I was taught that in this day and age, like the only way to make your money is going on tour and playing mm -hmm. these shows and stuff. And so, yeah, like 2013, 14, those first few years, I mean, I was on the road as much as possible. You know, but then again, there's not a lot of revenue coming in from the recorded music because at the time that seemed like that happened like 40 years ago and it'll never happen again. Mm -hmm. But again, like with the streaming and you like, again, I credit YouTube and Minecraft for being a, a hell of a career launcher. But yeah, man, I mean, at that time, because of all the shit that was going on, I mean, I was making more money sitting at home on my couch than I was going out and playing shows. <laughs> right. I was. I was really just going on tour if it was like a solid support slot where I was opening for someone. So I knew it was going to be a packed house. So there's a band called Adelita's Way. They've had a bunch of rock hits over the mm -hmm. years. I know the name. Yep. And I went out with them like four times from 2019 to 2020. Um, but yeah, man. So that was the thing. The pandemic hits. Everything's canceled. And man, a lot of friends and people I've known over the years, like were hit hard with that shit, bro. Because again, a lot of people make their main money on the road. Mm -hmm. um, and I always at the time felt like such an asshole. But for me, bro, 2020 was like my biggest year ever. Sitting yeah. at home with the pandemic, I had I made like double the revenue I ever made, had double the listeners. Like it was fucking crazy, bro. You know? Well, you because that's the the beauty of YouTube and in having, you know, passive income in this way, right? I mean, you could sit around at your house and because you're following so massive, it's that's yeah. If I, I, yeah, it's interesting that a lot of artists and musicians don't try to push that route, right? right. You'd think like, okay, this is a way to make money without leaving the house, right. <laughs> but it's way, not easy, obviously. No, for, but I mean, if you're, uh, yeah. I, I guess I always look at it like, I'm so passionate for the music and I love it. Like, even if I had no success and I had to work a regular nine to five job, I'd probably still come home and write songs and have fun and do that. So in a way, like I, I used to joke with my friends, it's like, dude, I'm, I'm basically getting paid to be me because I'd be doing this shit for free anyway. So the fact that I'm sitting here doing some shit I'd already be doing and already have been doing, except for now I get like a, a lawyer's salary out of it. It's like, fuck, <laughs> and, it's, it, <laughs> and again, I'm not trying to sound like that so much. Like, it, but, but you're, but you're not it's like it's yeah. the truth man you can't just you're not gonna there's no reason to like sugarcoat it right yeah, it's so just fucking grateful and happy and excited like dude this shit keeps me going bro so and again i like to tell it too especially when i'm talking to other musicians because i like that it shows to other people that look there is there are other ways to make this shit work if you can't you know catch a, a wave like on the road or on the radio or something like, dude, there are ways because the only reason I got this Minecraft stuff is because I had no more budget. And it was like, bro, how am I going to get my music in front of as many people as possible without having to spend a dime on it? That was like the, Oh fuck moment. Like shit, that doesn't sound easy. 
mm-hmm. ended up being the best thing I've ever done, you know? So amazing. And were you writing during the pandemic? Like where were you yeah. right before it happened? Yep. Yeah, no, I, uh, I had just like that song I mentioned a little bit ago, Fallen. That was like my pop single on the pulse and stuff mm-hmm. that came out in February of 2020. So I had kind of this album planned, which this album, You're Welcome, ended up coming out July 2020. Mm-hmm. And I was just putting out singles. Uh, my The plan was to just do a single every couple months. But because of the pandemic, I decided to turn it into an album release. I ended up doing like 10 singles anyway over the year and then dropped the album. So, yeah, man. But again, fortunately, I don't know if you could see too well, but I have a whole studio kind of it's kind of dark over here. But I'm in my studio room right now. So I do a lot of recording. Oh, cool. here. So the fact that I could just work in here and do all my shit, like it, it didn't cause me any issues. In fact, I actually preferred not being bothered. You know, <laughs> right, over and this and that get the fuck out of here you so know? you just did it do you record everything yourself or do you you send it out to producers or uh, a little bit of both um the last few like the last album i pretty much produced mixed like wrote everything myself occasionally i have a few producers as in beat makers that'll send me some beats and stuff but this new album that i just did when i said i went to nashville i have a producer there named brett hustle do you remember creed the band oh yeah so he was the bass player for creed for a long time and he had his own other bands that have some success and he's like a big platinum producer so he actually recorded this first 2013 song we were talking about way earlier when i had it so again you know over the last few years i kind of switched a little bit more hip-hop a little bit more pop producing myself so after i got sober broke my hip you know i was stuck in the recliner for three months playing acoustic guitar and basically i just started writing songs like i used to when i was a kid like making rock music you know and dude i think like getting sober like kind of cleared my brain out a bit to be like, dude, mm-hmm. what the fuck are you doing? Like, just do what you're good at. You make rock music. So what if it's not mainstream? Like, get over it. Like, you're be lucky you have what you have, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I got to tell myself this. So yeah, I was like, you know what? I'm going to take this full circle. I'm sober. I'm, you know, going back to my rock roots. So I went back to the producer that started it all with me and we made this new album, 1990. And dude, I am so fucking excited. That is so awesome. And I love that you, what? I was just going to say it comes out December 31st. I was just going to say that. And you have it coming out on New Year's Eve, which is yes. awesome. Yes. Any well, reason? Why you just- so I figured if we're calling it a year, we may as well have it on New Year's Eve is 1990. That's kind of how I looked at it. But I like it. The reason I went with the 1990 is the title. That's the year I was born. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because of the sobriety, because of all the changes, the musical style, I wanted to make this kind of like a reset in life, like a total reset. So here it is in a way. I feel like this is almost like the first album. So yeah, it's 1990. This is my reset. It's upward from here, man. And and uh, I just wanted to tell you, as of today, I just saw right before I came on here, my single is called Gotta Get Out of Here from this upcoming album. Just hit number 16 today on the Billboard Mainstream Rock chart, which is my highest charting single ever on the Billboard chart. So it's fucking- Congratulations. Crazy. That is so yeah, awesome. That is so awesome. Dude, hell yeah, man. That is awesome. What are, what are your plans for the record? Are you going to tour or is it like, why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that why, trust me, is always the first question there. Like, you know, man, like, honestly, like at the end of the day, I love to play music. That's why mm-hmm. I did all the shit in the first place. So I'm definitely going to go on tour. I'm working on a couple right now. Uh, me and my agent, my team, you know, I got a whole team. I have to shout out that makes a lot of this stuff happen so i'm definitely going to go on the road man looking at some big festivals 
a couple great tour spots and yeah man just i just want to get this album out there and go promote it and you know like the traditional thing i just want to get the music out there this time you know so I love it. again bro like coming on your show here like every one of these that I do is a big support. So I can't, again, thank you enough for having me on and let me fucking blab this whole time, you know? Oh no, dude. I love it. I love your story. Um, it's such a cool, like full circle, you know, yeah. to, to go from an addict and, and everything that you went through to like, OD the doctors ODing you after you had already been sober for a while. Right. Like, I mean, what a story. And to have the success you have and, and, and the silver button, which I'm so jealous of. Yeah, that's so cool. It, you recorded the record in, in Murfreesboro or Nashville. And yep. that was because he lives there or his studios there. Is that, yep. is that well, kind of what? He used to be from Florida. Uh, so mm -hmm. like I mentioned earlier on, I went to L.A., then down to Florida and I did my first album. So he was down there. Um, where my manager and stuff was at the time. But yeah, he moved up to, I say Nashville, because that's what he always said. Oh, but yeah. Nobody would know if you're like, oh, Murfreesboro, right. unless right. you lived right. here, knew. Yeah. You wouldn't have any clue what the hell someone was talking so, about. Yeah. Um, no, he moved there a couple years ago, and I, I knew that. So yeah, I pretty much knew. But he used to have a big like studio space that he had where now he, he him and his wife bought a house. And it's, I don't know what they call it, but there's almost like a separate part of the house. Like it's kind of connected still, but it's like, Anyway, she has a studio in his house, so I go down there, and um, like I said, I'm going to actually be going back in February because I'm doing the deluxe version of this album for the summertime, and I'm doing some acoustic shit for that. Rad. And, and then in the summer, I'll be back down there for probably three weeks to do the next album and stuff. So like I said, bro, like just between you and me or anyone who's watching, like I've really enjoyed this. Like I think your style of interviewing, like you, I know just letting me talk, but Dude, I just like this. I hope we can do more in the future, man. Seriously. Oh no. Yeah. We're we're you're gonna we're doing this in person. Like Dude, please. it's already done. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's you done. come out to the studio if you want, me oh. that and I mean whatever you want to do, man. I'm I'm down for anything. So so am I. I am down too. We used to do all these in person until oh, really? COVID. Yeah. yeah. Uh yeah. so once that happened, actually, I don't think I've done an in-person interview. I haven't since the like when coronavirus was like the thing and it was like oh yeah people are kind of getting worried it wasn't quite like right. shutting down the last person i interviewed was g love he played a show in san diego and it was weird because it was like people knew what was going on to the point where he came into the room and it was like you know elbowy oh, yeah. fives and right. and we were both kind of we were kind of joking about it because he's like oh like you know you know what's going on like he kind of was like oh are we gonna do the interview here or whatever and i was like yeah and we kind of made a joke about the virus like oh yeah just go talk to these people you know they don't have coronavirus it was, then it was like the next week everything closed down so it was, right. i felt bad it was, it was in poor taste at the time but it was like so weird because nobody understood right what was, was happening real. well yeah i was about to go out with adelita's way again it was like the middle of march like when shit was like really starting to shut down and you know, my, one of the guys from that camp, he was just against stopping. He was like, dude, fuck this. We're going out. I don't care if they're shutting down. Let's go play. <laughs> like, shit, dude, I don't think so, bro. Like, my wife doesn't want me to go. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, all the shit got canceled anyway, you know. Right, right, right. Well, have you, have you if you don't mind me asking you this, bro, no. have you ever watched like a uh, Zane Lowe? Do you know who he is? Yes, you know, I do. Apple Music interviews. Mm -hmm. like yeah, he's one of the biggest people on yeah. in, in the music. I 
that's interview kind of world. That's the vibe I get from you. I just wanted to throw that out there. Like, I get that's why I asked you if, like, when I come down to that area, like, dude, I have my film crew and all this. Like, I would love to do a real, like, video interview, like, for my YouTube channel and shit. Like, for the real thing. If dude, you're into that, you know, you could. Oh be- my gosh, dude. That would be an honor. Dude, we should talk, man. We should, like, sp- uh, stay in touch from here because I'm going to be down there, like I said. Okay. Well, when. I only have one more question for you. And then I want to stop this recording and I want to chat with you. Yeah, for cool. sure. <laughs> Back to the, no, I, I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. What I tell everybody, cause I do get asked this a lot and I'm fortunate that a, a big part of my fan base is young teenagers, 14, 13, 15, you know, it's crazy to see that because typically you don't get that being rock, you know, mm-hmm. hard rock. But again, because of the Minecraft and anime world that I've gotten the success in, it's a lot of kids. So I have a lot of kids and parents and anybody say like, Hey, what would it be? You know? And I used to want to know that too, but it's just like the, the, the industry changes so much all the time, you know, from CDs to downloads to streaming. I mean, that's three different like main revenue makers right there. So you're already having, so first of all, I'd say be quick to adapt to change, like learn how to, even if it's not what you want it to be like, Try to go in that world and find the best you can make out of it from a business standpoint. As far as an artistic standpoint, I tell everybody, keep, you know, learn to write music, keep writing music and always write it as real and from your true self as you can. Even if it's like cringeworthy, you'd be like, oh, I don't want to say that or put that out there. But it's like you never know who's listening and who really needs to hear that shit, you know, so keep it as real as possible. Keep trying.